from Relay FM. This is Upgrade, episode number 26. Today's very special episode is brought to you by MailRoute, a secure hosted email service for protection from viruses and spam, Casper, because everyone deserves a great night's sleep, and Flywheel, simple hosting for your WordPress site. My name is Mike Hurley, but I am joined by uh, live, live from San Francisco, Mr. Jason Snell. Hi, Mike. I'm actually speaking to you live from my old stomping grounds in the Macworld podcast studio, which uh, Susie Oaks, who's the editor of Macworld, offered up to various podcasters, and I set it up so I know where all the buttons are. So, hello from San- downtown San Francisco. <laughs> Today is March 9th, 2014. <laughs> is it? <laughs> I think it will be. Okay. Jason Snell coming to you from Macworld. Mm-hmm. Macworld's own Jason Snell. No, I, I, I like that. that you're there. I like that you're there. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a little weird. It's fitting. It's fitting. But it's good. So uh, we're hot on the heels of a of a big event today. It's a huge event. A huge, huge event today. Um, I, you're you're referring to the fact that I met Federico Vitici, right? Oh yeah, of course. That's the only event that I meant. Yeah, Fe- yeah. this is a, a what what was a the best kept secret of the day was that Federico Vitici arrived in San Francisco today to uh partake in the Apple event um he, he got an invite we'll talk about that on connected that's a whole yeah. whole big story i'm looking forward to connected this week actually or we can talk about it now if you want mike oh <laughs> hello oh my god that really scared me hi federico <laughs> hi mike how are what you what are you doing there <laughs> a podcast obviously how long a podcast. have you been there the whole time. The time. <laughs> oh, it's good I didn't say anything bad about you. Hey, buddy. <laughs> Hi. Now, I know that I can trust you because it didn't say anything bad about me. Yeah. Well, it's probably mm. something on the lines that I love you. Hey, yeah. how you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Uh, Jason was kind enough to invite me here. <laughs> um, it was awesome. Federico was kind enough to say, sure, let's do a podcast. He was like, do you want to do a podcast with, with Mike? I'm like, yeah. You're going to have to sure. keep your special stories for Connected, you know. Mm, right? Yes, you can't, okay. You can't cheat on we'll, fo- we'll focus on the news of the day and, yeah. and, and save those stories for Connected. That sounds like fun to you me. Could, you could be like Moises Chuyun's, uh podcast network and have like a crossover event where <laughs> where Federico appears on various relay shows to tell various stories about his trip to San Francisco. His feelings can be on analog. <laughs> <laughs> Do we have a food show, Mike? <laughs> really? Yeah. Federico just ate some pasta in a restaurant in San Francisco and uh, didn't hate it. Effectively, on, on Connected this week, all I really want to understand is, is Federico Vitici invades America. Like, that's mm. that's kind of all I care about. Like, Apple Watch, <laughs> so what? All well, right, we'll get, well, we'll get have... that when he's back in Italy. But now we're he's here in San Francisco with me. Because we went to the Apple event today. I have never been ambushed on a podcast before. <laughs> that was very well done. It's the very first well time done. for everything. My brain kind of exploded a little bit. I didn't 100% understand what was happening. I like looked yeah. at my computer mm-hmm. as if I don't know what I would have seen. <laughs> <laughs> Something's happening. You needed to process all the, the information and the accent mm. all at once. Yeah, it was like Jason had learned a very, very good impression. He spends one day... <laughs> We've established that I cannot do... A Federico, Federico Vitici impression, other than to say, Arrivederci. But we're not there yet. <laughs> okay, well, uh, now I have the two of you, which is even better. Mm-hmm. I guess I guess we can go through this uh, kind of stuff in, in advance. I think one of the most interesting things to me, and, and I kind of, uh, I, I, I don't want opening statements. We'll cover those at the end, kind of like overall feelings of the event. But I think leading up to this, one of the interesting things was we were debating, oh, are we going to see more than just the watch 
today and and everyone wasn't sure but we saw a lot like of the two hours of the event only one hour was the watch and right. there, there was about an hour of other stuff which i guess is probably the things that we'll cover first today but did, uh, being there and having look, looking back on the event does that surprise you too it doesn't surprise me i think um I think when I made my terrible prediction where I said I didn't think there would be an Apple Watch event, I think this is the good part of that terrible prediction, which is, you know, if all they're doing is replaying the event from six months ago, why have the event? Other than just to remind people. And it was still sort of an hour of reminding people of the Apple Watch, which you have to do because now it's real and now they're going to be selling it. So they had to do it. But, um, boy, it would have been pretty empty if that was all that we got. And uh, fortunately, we didn't. We got an hour of new material. We got a, a whole bunch of new stuff. They played the they played the greatest hits at the end there, but they, they gave us some of the new material in the first hour. Yeah. I think the explanation of the watch was a, a bit more concise and clear. Like, they clearly divided the watch in, into three main features. And I think they wanted to kind of re-explain it all from the beginning and I think they knew better what they wanted to tell, like the story that they wanted to tell. And maybe my memory is a bit, you know, uh, is, isn't precise when it comes to remembering the, the September event. But I think that the watch, the story that they painted today was very much kind of obvious in a good way. It's timekeeping, communication and fitness. And I think that, I mean, it's not new stuff, but it's, I think they told it better. I think one of the big differences this time um, to what they did in the September event was because they could show more third-party stuff. So when Kevin Lynch did that, here's a day in the life, that was that was that to me seemed like a much better story than what they'd previously shown in the September event because it it gave like a real view of this is what this product will do. Right. Well, let's be honest. Not only was the hardware not done last September, the software wasn't done last September, and Apple employees hadn't been wearing it on their wrists in public living their lives, at least not to the degree that they've been doing it for the last six months. We've heard these stories about how a thousand Apple employees have Apple watches on their wrists and have been using them for the last six months. And they'll even admit that they have the Apple watch on their wrist. They won't demo it for you because that, that's been against the rules, but they certainly would say, sure, it's an Apple watch because it's been out there. I, you've got to think that th that six months has not only led to this evolution of the hardware and the software, but um, I, I really believe that Apple employees living with this device have made a big difference in them understanding what people will actually use it for in their real lives. And that, that came through. It was a much more focused... There were still moments of... Like when Christy Turlington came on the stage... Uh, there was no focus there. I never. I, I thought that would be a great moment to, for, to talk about her running and how it was a f how she used it. And instead, it was more like Christy will have a blog where she <laughs> explains how she uses it in the future. But you know that was an exception. I think they did do a better job of focusing it more. My stream kind of died during that moment, but I think of all the times for it to happen, that was probably okay. <laughs> yeah, that was solid because I was just watching people compare it to Bono on Twitter. No, it was I would say it was much more substantive than that. And and it did, it did sort of mesh with, you know, she's got a charity and it's sort of Apple's whole thing about making a better world and she was in, in Africa running the half marathon. It just felt kind of I think all the parts were there and I could totally see how somebody at Apple was like, "Oh, this will be a really good thing. We should put this in the in, in the uh, event." Um it just felt like all the pieces were there but it didn't come together for me. I just thought it was 
you know. Also, I have to say, really interesting um, strat- content strategy on Apple's part, where they're going to have Christy Turlington blogging on. They the phrase was she's going to have a blog on Apple.com about her using the watch to train, and that's you know sort of some celebrity blogging on Apple.com is a totally new thing. I, I mean, you know, I don't think Bono had a blog t- <laughs> telling us about his songs. You'll just be automatically subscribed to, yes. the, to the Bono. <laughs> why, why, why is Bono's blog in my RSS now? What, what, why am I getting push notifications when Bono releases new blog posts? Why now? don't you want to read the Bono blog? It's a gift. It's a free blog post. Everybody gets it. Yeah. I guess the the interesting thing, like when looking at that, is um, we were complaining, you know, about there not being a story, but now they're kind of providing it. Via thing via means like this, which is quite interesting, I think. Yeah, yeah. I, I, it's new, new Apple. So one of the th- the first big announcement was the Apple TV and HBO Go. Uh, didn't expect this, and this seemed really weird to me. What, Jason? Why do you think this got as much stage time as it did? Ah, uh, well, it's a big, it's a big uh, Hollywood deal. It's uh, getting HBO's. Um, over the top service, which is the you know you don't have to be a subscriber to get to watch this service, um, and getting that as an exclusive, a launch exclusive on Apple TV. So the only place you'll be able to get uh, the HBO over the top service, um, which is called what is it called? It's not HBO. HBO Now. HBO Now is that yeah, it? It's three so. three letters. It's all capital letters. HBO Now. I think um, that is. Uh, the only place you'll be able to watch, if you're a cord cutter, watch Game of Thrones like legally uh, when it starts in April, because it's, I think a three month. I saw the the Wall Street Journal was reporting a three month exclusive before other providers can offer HBO now. So that's a that's a big coup, but that's also like a you know exclusive content partnership kind of deal. And I would imagine that that um, that kind of deal includes a, a prominent appearance at an Apple event. Um, it signals that Apple is kind of playing hard at the the content game which i think is really great i also had to laugh we did finally get some apple tv news hardware news this this uh, event it wasn't new hardware and the new pricing uh it, we've got a bunch of old ones to move for 69 dollars <laughs> before we can make a new one apparently <laughs> why do you think they're doing that they just want to sell them i don't know yeah i i think i think that's there and it's so old the margins yeah. on them have to be great so they cut the price which is good because their competitors are cheaper and they have this hbo deal so they're going to i mean the the somewhat cynical side of me says they make the hbo deal they sell a lot of 69 dollar apple tvs and then they come in with a 99 dollar brand new fancy apple tv after they've sold a, a, a you know a million of those uh, cheap old Apple TVs. That may be the plan here. I don't know. But it's still it's still a coup. We've talked for a long time about having something come exclusive to Apple. And this is I mean it's temporary, but it is an exclusive to Apple this HBO service. That's pretty that's pretty cool. So that was that was good news. I I felt like for a moment they were going to do one of those jokey videos where Tim said, "You know, we keep asking we keep adding channels all the time. You guys have noticed, and I was waiting for one of those videos with the funny music that shows somebody scrolling through like 8 million channels on Apple TV. Um, but they'd only do that if they were going to replace the interface. And they aren't. So, oh well. I wonder if, I mean, it must be an American, an America-only service. Yeah, HBO now. Yeah. There's no way to use it as a European. 
I mean, unless you have like a fake U.S. account. Exactly. <laughs> the classic, the traditional ways to yeah. use it as a European. Yeah. The old-fashioned yeah. way. Yeah. <laughs> a VPN. VPN. Fake account. Fake account. And you use the American service. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have no idea what you're talking about. Uh, and then we move on to research kit. Um, totally out of left field. This is not something I, I think anybody could have put their finger on uh, to to guess about. Um, this is interesting. Jeff Williams got quite a bit of time uh, on stage uh, to, to discuss this. Now, it, please correct me if I'm wrong. Is, is Jeff the person who's heading up the health stuff? Or is it somebody else? Hmm. I don't know. Yeah, Isn't don't this know. the guy who famously drives a... Um, drives a Camry. Uh, yeah, a Camry, a low, uh, an old Camry. Because there is there there, there the is an executive who is in charge, I think, of health stuff, which I remember seeing from from the Apple event. I can't remember. Um, I'm, I'm seeing that Jeff is in operations, but that mm. kind of if that's just coming from Apple's website, that can mean anything. I know that there is somebody who looks at who looks after health stuff, but um, anyway, he, he Jeff got quite a bit of uh, time on stage to talk about research kit now. I I I don't know if you guys were following along on Twitter. There, there were a lot of people uh, talking about how boring this section was, and it, it <laughs> maybe wasn't necessarily riveting, but it, it's a world changing type type scenario. Yeah, it's I as I was sitting there, I wasn't checking Twitter, but I I think I've gotten to emulate Twitter in my head pretty well. I, I thought there will be a lot of cynical people who will say this is boring. I don't care about this. Um, uh, bring bring on the new products, but I thought you know this is Apple making some decisions about wanting to send a message that their products do change the world. They change the world in ways that go beyond um, the just your own personal interaction with a phone. That they're working to make interesting partnerships to find better ways to use those sensors for things that can improve the world. I I you know it was sending that message and sure Apple's hardware is at the center of it all. I also think it's sending a somewhat subtle message about the fact that Apple is the company that you're more likely to trust with your sensitive health data because they don't have a, they don't make a a business model of selling your information like many of their competitors do. They had this big slide, uh, Apple will never see your data. Yeah. And I took a picture because it was <laughs> And I tweeted it because uh, I think, yeah, it was kind of a, we, you were telling me before it was kind of like a subtweet in yeah, a way yeah. to Google and other companies. Well, we didn't say know. anything about Google. Yeah. I, I don't know what you're talking about. But, you know, I, I think it, yeah, sure, it's it's self-serving because everything in a, a sure. thing like that is self-serving. But I I don't, I'm going to try to not be cynical about it and say, look, this is something Apple is proud of. And Apple wants these, you know, these devices to do more than just be, the thing you use to check email. They want them to be to have other applications in the world, and that's good for their business, but it's also good for the world. And that that you know, Apple loves to send that message that their that their technology is changing the world, and this is one way that they could do that. And it, for for their perspective, it, it's not a huge amount of effort to do something that can have a big impact. Yeah, I mean, I went through um, medical research myself as a patient. Uh, because when I was doing chemo treatments, uh, they wanted me to try uh, these uh, experimental drugs. Um, and to do so, you at least I had to go through all this paperwork and to sign this stuff and to uh, weekly or biweekly report all this information about how I was feeling. And, you know, when you're feeling sick, it can be a bit of a of a burden to to do that kind of stuff and to sit there and say, yeah, I'm feeling this way or I'm doing this or I'm doing that. And the thought of having apps and the iPhone, so not special sensors that you have to wear 
or you know machinery that you have to operate just my phone and to take you know simple tests um, because it's got a microphone because it's got other sensors i think that's really it's a big change because i saw one one side of the equation myself as a patient and i think it's a big change and, and like the feeling that that i got in the room was really that it really mattered to people there mm-hmm. and I, as you said i imagine twitter in my head and i'm like yeah people on twitter are going to be oh this is boring bring <laughs> us the, you know the apple watch uh but i think personally it's it's a big change i think and also kind of interesting it is going to be open source so we'll have to see it'll, if it'll be open source like facetime was supposed to be or, or if it will be really open source and available to, to other companies to use. It was right. Jay Blanick that I was thinking of. Mm. Um, Jay Blanick is the director of fitness and health technologies for Apple. He was the guy who narrated the watch uh, fitness video. So that, okay. good, that was who I was thinking Mike. of. Solid it's knowledge. only because I watched, I watched the, the original <laughs> keynote like two days ago. So I, I kind of got them... Mix ah. around in my brain. Oh my god! You watch you watch them both. That's good. Good grief! It was. A, did it feel a little bit like a rerun? Do you know what it didn't? Oh, good. It, it didn't. Good. Well, that goes with what we were saying. Then that's good. I'm glad. The demo room afterward felt like a rerun because it was the same tables with the same Apple <laughs> watches on them. Although you could touch them now and they wouldn't um, look at you angrily. So that's something. It, they 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 the things that were the same they kind of covered those really quickly. But the interesting thing is seeing how much of the UI has changed. So you know the the people picker, that's mm, a totally yeah. different UI in the original. Yeah, one, the it little was just with a little circular the thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, that was nice. Jason, do you think what what are your thoughts on the open source? Do you, do you think that Apple will be committed to this? Well, I think this one doesn't have the encumbrances that maybe FaceTime did. <laughs> and uh, the the question is, will it be useful open source or not? And that, that's that's a mystery to me because, you know, is this code the kind of code that people are going to want to take up and use? And will it be valuable to somebody either on Apple's platform or some other platform? And, you know, I think it's a nice gesture um, that the, Apple's not trying to make this a trade secret. And uh so, but that's where it ends, and as a gesture, and it begins as you know, can it be used? How do how is it built? Is this going to work its way into other projects? But I think it's a great. I mean, it may it may be as simple as like somebody saying, "Look, I, I in order to get funding for my grant, I need to use open source software. I can't use anything proprietary. I don't know. I I, I know some doctors who I'm going to talk to about this. I have a, a friend of mine who who is a, a cancer specialist at UC San Francisco, and I'm going to ask him what his take on this is because you know the people who are in this industry will probably have an, a very interesting and different take than those of us who are just like I've seen a doctor. So uh, we'll see. But um, I think it's a good gesture, and and then there's just the question of what's the what's the code that's open sourced and who can use it? Is it all Swift and Objective C that is you know not going to be useful outside of Apple's platforms? I I don't know. It'll be interesting to see uh, how long it'll take for this if it works as a plan, uh, if it'll expand to internationally to Europe and other countries, or if it'll stay uh, again a U.S. only thing right. kind of, because they announce all these. A uh, bunch of apps that the world uh, they will implement research kit, and it's all U.S. based institutions. I think. I think I saw. I think there's a, a, an English like yeah. Oxford. Yeah, there was. You're right. So but, there's hope. I think. Yeah. One of one of the researchers was from the U.K. and they weren't just British, like they were in a U.K. environment, and 
they, it, like it came up. I can't. I think you. I think it might have been at Oxford, Jason. I think you might be right. Yeah. But like I remember seeing it at the time and thinking that was interesting. I thought, oh, it's going to be. In-. No, it's not going to be. Uh, so there you go. Um, Jason, are you going to be signing up to to participate? Your health data. Well, we'll talk about it. I, I don't. None of the apps uh, affect me right now. But you know, sure. I, I would love. I would love that if I if I had uh, information that was useful for something like this. I think a lot of people feel that way. Yeah, I, that's why I think it's good. I would. I would do it. You feel like you're at least doing something. Sure. You know. Anyway, okay. I want to talk about the MacBook next. But before we do that, let me take our first break for this week's episode and thank our friends over at Flywheel for supporting this week's show. Flywheel can provide you with simple hosting for your WordPress site. They are a managed host, and everything on Flywheel, every single site that Flywheel manages has its own server. So your site isn't going to be fighting with others for resources. And they handle things like caching for you, so you don't have to stop, so you never have to worry. You just you can just stop worrying completely about having to tune caching plugins and stuff like that. They just make sure it works for you. Flywheel can and will migrate any existing WordPress site within 24 hours over to their platform, completely free of charge. They just want to make sure that it's simple for you to start using them straight away. Each Flywheel user has just one logon to both their easy-to-use dashboard and all of their files. So you can log in to your Flywheel SFTP server. You see all of your sites in one place, neatly arranged according to owner. And even if you are somebody who has access to a thousand client sites, it won't be a problem for their great organized interface. You'll be able to get in and do exactly what you need really simply and really easily. They have simple billing transfers. So once you get a site up and running for your client and they're all happy with the work that you've done, you can easily transfer the hosting billing to them if you have to, and they can pay for that part and you can continue to maintain it. They also have an expert support team who are ready to help you out with any issue you're dealing with, all free of charge as a Flywheel customer. Flywheel have teamed up with a company called Securi, who are the leading provider for WordPress security solutions to help you with scanning and proactively monitoring your sites for hackers and malware. If your site has a problem, they're going to notice it, they're going to let you know and fix it for free. Flywheel also takes care of WordPress updates for you to ensure that you have maximum security on your sites. They have staging sites that allow you to work on a site in a testing area and roll it out with a click of a button when it's done. And of course, Flywheel handle nightly backups for you that allow you to roll back to previous versions and will also highlight the changes between those versions. If you are a person who uses or needs WordPress websites, you need Flywheel. And you'll get 20% off any plan for a year with the code UPGRADE. Thank you so much to Flywheel for supporting this show and all of FM. So that's 20% off with the code UPGRADE. So, we saw the MacBook today, and it's called the MacBook, right? First MacBook. off, that a surprise? Because now the MacBook Air is thicker and heavier than the MacBook. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, products. products this is another change. one of those situations. There used to be, uh, a couple of years ago, I think, uh, some, some weird stuff about the MacBook lineup. There was, like, uh, the basic MacBook, and then there was, like, a different... Uh, gosh, I can't remember... I think it was a couple of years ago and people were confused right. by the product l- lineup and they were like, why does this MacBook exist? And kind of now in a way, there's this new MacBook and the MacBook Air, but it's still heavier and thicker than the other right. one. But cheaper. I mean, the but MacBook cheaper. Air now yeah. is the cheap is the cheap laptop. It always was. But this, all those people who predicted that this was the low-cost laptop and we said, it's well, it's going to be super thin and light and retina. Yeah, nuh-uh. <laughs> I feel good about those predictions yeah. that we made because we were right. And yeah. this is not a, I mean, it's not a super expensive either, but it's not a, a $999 or $799 or whatever. It's it's what, $1299? Yeah, I think so. Right? 
I don't have my notes. I and just also, tweeted all my notes so people <laughs> can check the Twitter. All the predictions about the lack of uh, physical ports. Yeah. And when we, uh, I think we, we talked about it on Connected, Mike, when we were saying, well, they're just going to use it, you know, all the wireless technologies uh, for airdrop and other stuff. And I don't know if it's uh, available on the website. I'm pretty sure it is. Uh, but Apple told me there's going to be a USB-C adapter if you want to connect multiple devices at once. Right. Yes, yeah, $79. And- <laughs> Oh, yeah? Did you, yeah? did you see the product page? Okay. And it has um, a HDMI port, uh, a USB, it has another USB-C, I think, and a regular USB. That's it. 79 bucks. Well, they'll be good. That's too bad. They'll so, be good so basically, you plug... Third-party the, docks. Yeah, you plug the power cable into the other USB-C, so then you get one USB and a HDMI. It's kind of pointless. That's, that's dumb. No, it, I have it, the... Yeah. I have that Thunderbolt dock that I bought for my MacBook Air, and it's great because it's got, you know, it's got video out and it's got multiple USBs and FireWires and Thunderbolts and all of that. And, and you know, that's sort of more what I would want out of something like this. But, you know, maybe maybe this is enough for, for somebody. I don't know. It's it's That's weird. So some that's things weird. that you guys might not be aware of, and Stephen is doing a great job. This is this is such a collaboration right now. He's he's telling me things at the moment. <laughs> There's two configurations. They have a USB HDMI and USB C, and a USB VGA and USB C. They're both seventy nine bucks. And the really interesting thing about this, and Stephen has a good post on five twelve pixels with 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 all of that. Um, of course he does. Of course. <laughs> uh, where it's basically the configuration page is like an iPad page. Uh, like all of the configurations are, are locked. You, there's no buy, right. uh, build to order no build to models. Order. You pick silver, gold, space, gray, and then you either pick the, uh, what is it, the 256 or the 512 um, storage and a 1.1 gigahertz dual core or a 1.2. Mm. That's it. And, yep. and they're both locked to 8 gigabytes RAM as well. Well, they 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 said we took everything we learned from making iPads and put it into making this MacBook, and I think that's I think that's accurate. I think from from my notes, uh, one of the one of the bits that I saved is how making iOS devices and the watch kind of informed the making of this MacBook, and you see that not just in the in the lighter and uh, thinner hardware, but also in the way the Force Touch was implemented. Oh man. That trackpad uh, is the is the when, most notable thing about this when product. You, try, you guys have used it. Tell me about it. Yes, it's it's like it freaked me out because I, mm-hmm. I thought I was breaking it because basically when you touch it, um, Jason can explain this better because he all, he has all the technical knowledge. <laughs> but basically, from my uh, simple perspective of a not heavy Mac user, when you try the trackpad, it doesn't doesn't physically move. But it feels like you're depressing, like you're going deep into the trackpad. Yeah. But actually, it doesn't move. But with your finger, you feel like little steps when you apply different levels of pressure. But that's not actually going down with your finger physically into the machine. It's the haptic engine yeah. responding with feedback. And it responds by, like, sideways, by moving the... Yeah, it's crazy. So, so, so in weird. fact, in the QuickTime demo where you can actually have the different levels of, of fast-forward... Um, and they're all based on different gradations of touch. You can actually keep pushing harder, and as you push harder, every so often there's this little tick, like the whole um, trackpad got a little bit, just ticked down a little lower. 
like it's ratcheting down. And then you push harder and it ticks again, and it feels like it's even lower. But in fact, none of that is happening. And the Taptic engine, I don't want to say that when you click it, it doesn't move, because that's not true. When you click the trackpad surface, it moves. What? But but it doesn't move down because you physically pushed it down. It moves because the force sensors feel the force of your finger kick the Taptic engine into life, and it does a shake that's actually side to side, not up and down, but you would never know. Yeah. When you click, when when I the first time I, I, I used it, I just moved the mouse, not even thinking, I just moved the mouse and clicked, and I thought, wait a second, it just clicks like a normal trackpad. What's going on here? It's it's an illusion, but it is um, it's perfect. It's a perfect illusion. The difference being that it's all controlled by software, so you can change the sensitivity of clicks. You can have multiple clicks at multiple force points, like the QuickTime demo. Um, Developers it, will have force touch APIs. Yeah, for third party apps. Yeah, yeah. and and so yeah, you're, so you're the, this force click idea is a new gesture. That um, that developers will be able to build in support for that if you if you do sort of a, an extra hard click or you click and then push further that something different happens than a normal click or a control click. This is going to be a feature of the iPhone Seven, right? Yeah, yeah, I like, think you would so. Think. I mean, it, it, it's, it it's permeating across everything now. It's yeah. like the new Retina, you know. Mm-hmm. It's like it yeah. means different things in different products, but it's it, it's kind of it, there it's, across all of them. If unless unless this turns out to be a dead end, if this is a popular thing and Apple seems to think it will be, yeah, it would be hard not to see that this will go to the iPhone and the iPad eventually. This idea that you can you can have pressure sensitivity as a different way to do, um, you know, to do gestures. And I things. just want to be able to activate extensions with Force Touch. Mm. Just click down a link and it pops up the share sheet. Wouldn't that be nice? Yeah, that'd be cool. See, now we're talking about iPads because Federico's here. <laughs> oh, here we go. Uh, Jason Slade 401 in the chat room is interested to know how the uh, keyboard feels. Okay, so the keyboard, um, it's different. The, the It is full-sized. The rumors that it was it was shrunken down seem to not be true. The, the keycaps are larger than on the old model, so there's less space between them. It looks like the fonts in San Francisco. Am I right in thinking that? No, it, I don't know that. I don't have one different. in front of me, so I can't tell you that. The, it, the, it, here's, the press shots do look different to me. Anyway. Here's the thing that's the weirdest thing about it. Oh, and every every key has an LED behind it. They're individually backlit, which I was wondering, is there a controller for that? Can you have it like light up certain keys? Probably not. But wouldn't that be amazing if you could? I'll have it light up the key you're pressing at the moment and make a little... Uh, Can you hook up your keyboard keys to IFTTT? Oh, Automate man. your lighting. <laughs> the, uh, the, uh, like a Christmas tree, except yes. it's a keyboard. The, um, the field, there's very little key travel. Um, so it takes some getting used to. And I, the people at Apple who were showing it off said, look, you know, it's weird to start, but you get used to it. And I want to... I was able to type really fast on it, like normal speed. Um I want to spend some time with it and get a better sense of it. My sense is that you don't you don't think about your keyboard style when you're typing. It's just your style. But um, when you're confronted with a very different keyboard, you start to think about it. And I think when I was typing on the MacBook, what it reminded me is that on Apple's current keyboards, which are all exactly the same, and that's what I that basically what I use, and the Logitech keyboard I use it feels exactly like the Apple keyboards too. What I find is that I'm doing, I'm I'm pressing down until my finger makes contact, and then I'm almost like following through with an extra like flick or press to push it all the way down. And when I started trying to do that on this new keyboard, what I found is I would do that touchdown, and then the 
further press didn't do anything because it was already down. It, it, it couldn't go down any further. And so then I started typing where I just said to myself, sort of like typing on an iPad screen. We t- joked about that with Federico. Um, if you just tap and then you move on, you know, once your finger taps the key, the key is tapped. You just move on. You don't press it harder. Then my speed picked up dramatically. So I think some of it is just, you know, you get used to it. Your muscle memory changes and you know when you, when you type on this keyboard. I'm sure that, that people will be freaked out by it because people are always freaked out by keyboards. The last time Apple changed the keyboard, they were freaked out about it. Some people are very finicky with keyboards and, you know, so I'm sure some of them will be unhappy with it. I approached it with a lot of skepticism, and I'm not sure I like it, but I was able to type it at, at perfectly fine speeds with it. And they're very proud of the fact that it's got this crazy butterfly switch and their little stainless steel thingy that you press, and it doesn't wobble or anything like that. They're very proud of that stuff. Apple likes to talk about that stuff. But, you know, it doesn't it doesn't feel cheap. Um, but if, if you're somebody who really likes a lot of key travel on your keys, you will not be happy with it because it doesn't have a lot. And they're not doing a, they have not yet, they cannot yet afford to put a taptic engine underneath each keyboard <laughs> key, under each key that shakes an individual key when you press it and makes you think you push it down. But you know what? After feeling that trackpad today, that, that day is probably coming. No, seriously, Mike, the, 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 the trackpad is so weird at first. Like, <laughs> what is going on? Because, it feels normal. It's yeah. when they tell you how it works that yeah. you realize You're that like, it's all a lie. <laughs> it's ba- basically, you try it and you and you form this thought in your head. It's like, okay, I know how this works. And then they tell you, and you're like, no, that's not true. You're lying to me. And that was my, my, my reaction. Oh, yeah, well, I'm very interested to try this thing out now. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, I mean, I, again, you can tell me what it feels like on, on the Apple Watch, but do, do you actually feel your finger going into it? It's just not like that, right? Yeah, your, your brain, your brain feels, you, yeah. yeah, your brain feels your pressure that you're putting on the trackpad, and it feels the movement of the trackpad, which is the Taptic Engine. And, well, I can't speak for your brain, actually, Mike. My brain <laughs> translates that as, I just pressed it down, yep. and it went down. Even though that's not what happened, <laughs> it's pretty crazy. But it, I mean, but again, if you didn't know and you were just using it, you would never think about it. Like, like I said, the very first time I clicked, I wasn't thinking about the fact that this was the new trackpad, and it clicked, and it felt perfectly normal. And I, then I stopped myself and said, "Wait a second. <laughs> they said there were new trackpads on these things." <laughs> And then I kept looking at it and trying to see if it moved or not. And like I said, it does move. It just doesn't move because I – well, it does move because I pressed it. It doesn't move down because I, my finger is pushing it down. That's what doesn't happen. Instead, you give it pressure, and then it shakes itself to fool you into thinking you yeah. did it. It's weird. Yeah. But it, it's good. It's really well done. Yeah. And because it's programmable, it can be, like Federico was saying in that QuickTime thing, you can program in five different stops at five different pressure points if you wanted to. And then it would feel like you were pushing through tick, 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 and pushing it down. Yeah, Pretty actually, crazy. in the in the demo that I tried on QuickTime, there was also a feature that you basically you you do the first touch and you can change, I think, the template of a, of a QuickTime movie. So you get a, a, like an extra menu if you do the first touch instead of having to right-click and choose a template, you know? Right. So you get all these new shortcuts and it's really yeah, cool. Yeah, like Quick Look is going to be... Quick yeah. Look in the Finder is like that where if you force touch on a, on a file, Quick Look opens. 
Um, and it can be implemented in any different app. They had a yep. bunch of different examples. I think in Safari they've got it so that it does a dictionary, dictionary yep. definition or a Wikipedia lookup. It's basically all the Apple data detector stuff yes, that they have. Yes. Those are all triggered by for touch, Force Touch now. So this could be really um, good it, in pro apps, like as a way to bring up different tools and stuff like that. Like I'm thinking about Logic Pro and like that. It's like a control surface kind of thing. But on a MacBook Pro apps. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because it is like Intel Core M. It's not exactly the top of the line. It's well, a it's the, a uh, power sipping. It's a good processor, but it's you know it's I don't know. We'll, well see. They've, they've put this into the 13 inch Retina MacBook Pro. Oh, they, that's yeah. true. They did true. the 13 yes. inch. So there you go. So you you, yeah. you do your logic editing on the 13 inch Retina MacBook Pro with this with this. Uh, trackpad that's true good point and i had a, a couple people say to me i wonder if they'll revise the magic trackpad to have it do that do this too That'd i mean nice. it, it it would be you know not that they need the space but although it do as a magic trackpad user if you get it in the right place it, you can't click yeah. if you get it in certain locations on a on a desk that's got like a, an angle or a bump on it it um depresses itself and then you kind of can't <laughs> You kind of can't click on it, so it would be an interesting change to move to eliminate that that moving part, and instead um, have one that has force touch, which they seem to want in every product now. This is we spent. I, I can't believe how much time we spent on the trackpad, but it is really interesting. So <laughs> I, I kind of have a little bit of a philosophical question about it. So and this is going back to the movement in it, right? If uh, if it isn't moving, it's like if there's a tree in the woods. If it isn't moving. But your brain thinks it's moving, like it's tricking you into thinking it's moving. Are you okay with that? Because I know that there will be people that just flat out won't be, but you two both, like, does, does that feel okay to you? The fact that it feels this way, does it make a difference whether it is or it isn't? I mean, the the illusion is is very strong. I mean, it, I just I just thought it felt really cool, you know? Right. So I don't necessarily, I, I, I think based on my quick impression, I don't necessarily care whether it's true or not as long as, as it's implemented really well. Yeah. I guess my perspective. I mean, it's done really well once yeah. you try it. Like. And they have a good reason for it, which is they're trying yeah. to minimize the, the, uh, the space, the moving, the moving parts in this thing because it's so thin. Um, let's, I still have more I want to talk to you about, about the MacBook. Who is this product for? Because that's, that's what I'm struggling <laughs> with with this. And, and, and this is this is what what my original feeling about when we heard about this product is that what Apple is doing again is is they are creating the archetype for the next ten years, like they did with the original MacBook Air, right? So it's like this thing is not really for anybody right now. Um, like it, it doesn't, you know, th this isn't a product that fits for people. Yeah, it's it's well, I mean part of it is this is the future product and part of it is this is for the person who wants the thinnest, lightest, coolest laptop because it is that. And and it's you know, I wrote a piece on six colors about this about before it came out when the rumors were out there that very much, you know, this is the spirit of the original MacBook Air. This is the you no know, compromises as thin and light as possible. We don't, you know, I'm not so concerned about power, I'm not so concerned about convenience of ports or anything like that. I just want a really cool, thin, light, small laptop which now you know which has good battery life and a retina display so it's it's for people it's for people who don't have all of the specific needs that some of us tech nerds have um, but just want this really great laptop it is i would in fact i would argue it's for the person who loves their ipad and also wants a laptop 
I was just about to say, it's the iPad for people who want a Mac. Yeah. So you're going to get one then. (laughs) (laughs) I need a Mac, Mike. I don't want a Mac. Yeah, it it does. But with with the... I mean, it, it has that feel. It, it it is the laptop from the people who brought you the iPad. Yeah. And, and you know, and there, there's I think there's an audience for that. The fact that this is not a two thousand dollar laptop either. It's a, you know, it's 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 decently priced. And I think over time the MacBook Air will will fade away or will just keep going kind of down in the market. But I think at, at some point, yeah, it'll fade away and you'll be left with MacBook and MacBook Pro, and they'll both be Retina, and this will be the one that's thinner and lighter, um, and less powerful, but that's okay because there's an audience for it. In the short term, there may, it's a better question to ask because the Air is still out there and the Pro is still out there. But this, like with that original Air, it's very clear this is the, you know, this is the future of this product line. Because so the technologies that they show is the reason that only one USB connector is okay. They're kind of not really there. The, you know, like, you know, they're saying like, oh, you can do everything with Bluetooth and Wi-Fi. What? I guess sure not really they said that with the MacBook Air whatever five years ago too they said the exact same Steve Jobs made that same claim well well, you know wireless is fine and the fact is you know I've got three MacBook Airs in my house now (laughs) Um, yeah but like if you think of some of the other stuff they took away like it was the first machine to lose an optical drive and that's totally fine now like it's not a problem at all for like the majority of people so I mean I just wonder like is it okay to take all the USB ports and Thunderbolt ports? Like, is Thunderbolt dead? I'm not feeling very good about mm-hmm. it now. Because there isn't even an adapter, a oh. USB-C oh, well. to Thunderbolt <laughs> adapter. Mm. Well, it, uh, the, the MacBook Air got an up, uh, th- Thunderbolt 2. Yeah. yeah, got the upgrade to Thunderbolt 2. Yeah. That's right. I don't know. I don't know. Or, or maybe they just think that, that it's not... Necessary. We'll see how the USB-C thing does too. Maybe is Apple going all in on this, or is this just this one weird product? You know that happens with Apple, where sometimes they do products, and a year or two later, you realize that they've take, taken a couple steps. They say, "All right, that was a little too far. We went a little far." And this is the kind of product that that happens with, where where sometimes they say, "Oh, okay, we should have put, we should have kept FireWire on that MacBook Pro. We're sorry <laughs> that we took it off." Things like that, and that that might happen. Here, although there's not a lot of room for ports on it. Um, so again, our friendly neighborhood uh, Mac nerd, Mr. Stephen Hackett, is telling me the Intel Core M doesn't support Thunderbolt, which is oh, there the chip, so maybe that's the problem. Maybe other devices would have both still. Um, Interesting, but, but that kind of sucks. Like, so yeah. there is a there is an ask upgrade question, which we'll you know we'll get to those later on eventually. Yeah. Um, but Katie Floyd asked, like, what do we do? What what do us existing Thunderbolt display users do? Well, it kind of looks like nothing is probably the answer. Like, you can't use this machine with that display. Yeah, I would assume is the case. That's so, right. I would um, assume if the chipset doesn't support it, like, no no not, no amount of adapters can help you. <laughs> yeah. So there you yeah. go. Weird. It's a weird, again, I have to keep coming back to the original MacBook Air. That was a weird product that was non-standard in so many different ways. It didn't have FireWire, the weird little door that came down. It didn't have an optical drive. It was a weird, one USB port. It was a weird computer. And this is like that. This is a weird computer. It's really, the things that make it cool also sort of make it weird. And if you're somebody who, um, I mean, there's this tendency, right, for you to say, well, it's not for me, so I don't like it. It's like, well, yeah, there is a whole range of people for whom this product is not for them. It's just, it's it's not for them. Um, 
if you've got a Thunderbolt display, it's really not for you because it doesn't do Thunderbolt. But there are going to be a whole lot of people for, for whom this is the right product. And, you know, it, but it is not a, a product that's meant to appeal to everybody. And, and, and maybe it will be have like the MacBook Air has much broader appeal now. MacBook Air is sort of like the winner in the MacBook product line, but it started out as a, as a, uh, the weirdest of weird overpriced underpowered computers and it took a long time for it to evolve from there mr jason snell i think it's time uh to, for a break and we can switch topic uh but for this for this lovely commercial break could you please tell me about our friends over at casper i would be happy to um th- now the reason that i'm reading this out is that i sleep every night on a casper mattress um and so and you do not mike because you do not sleep for you are not a human anymore you sleep. are a vampire. I, I scoff at sleep. Yeah. Uh, Casper is an online retailer of premium mattresses, and they cost a fraction of the price of most premium mattresses because they eliminate the middleman. These are, uh, I think, Silicon Valley guys who uh, have ended up uh, saying they want to disrupt the mattress industry um, and and get away from forcing consumers to pay notoriously high markups on mattresses. So um, it's th- it's this cool new kind of product. It's a hybrid mattress. It's got latex foam and memory foam combined. So you end up with the sort of the support of the memory foam and then this really soft, comfy latex foam on the top of that. Um, it, and it's just a comfy mattress. I, I have one at home. My old mattress, you'd sit down on it. And if there was somebody else, like I, I have a cat, the cat would be on the bed. And I'd sit down on the bed and the cat would jump up because it was like a trampoline. Like you sit down in one place and everything else goes flying. This, this bed doesn't do that. It's just super soft and comfy. And I, I really like it. Um, mattresses can cost over $1,500. Casper mattresses cost between 500 for a twin uh, 600 for a twin extra long, 750 full, 850 queen, and 950 king. So they're really good prices. And you buy it online. This is one of those revolutionary things. You buy it online and it's risk-free. They will deliver a box to you in which will be a vacuum-packed Casper mattress. You open it up in the room where you're going to use it because then it expands upon getting the sweet, sweet air and uh, and then fills fills the room to its full size, um, and then you try it out. And if you don't like it, you can return it. It's a mattress you can return. There's a 100-day trial period. So if you don't like it, um, you don't have any any risk of being stuck with a mattress you don't like, you can send it back. I've had mine more than 100 days now because I, I slept on it like two days, and I said, yeah, we're keeping this mattress. And we, we like... Um, it, it was a it was a big happy change to have this nice new mattress. Um, if you you can go to a showroom and lay on a bed for four minutes, it will have no correlation on whether you're actually going to be comfortable sleeping on it. And so now you can have a hundred days to try it out. Um, it's made in America. They want they want to mention that too. On top of everything else, it's not like these shifty countries like they have in uh, the UK or or Italy where um, there are untrustworthy people. And uh, <laughs> and here's where you need to go to find out more. Um, if you would like to join me in sleeping on a Casper mattress, you have to get your own. You can't sleep on my mattress. It's mine. Get your own. Go to casper.com slash upgrade and use promo code upgrade. You can get $50 toward any mattress purchase. So Casper, thank you for being a friend, for giving me a very comfy mattress to sleep on and for sponsoring Upgrade. I would like to say on Casper's behalf that it's Jason Snell who thinks that people from the UK and Italy are untrustworthy. Yes, that's true. <laughs> I'm just playing to my audience here. We love, we love you. I, I'm sorry that uh, that uh, it's uh, made in the USA. Maybe you can also get it in the UK, made in the USA. But uh, it's comfy. I got to say that. Bottom line, I really enjoy sleeping on that mattress. So now here we go. 
our lovely Italian friend um, who gave me a minor heart attack about an hour ago. Yes. Uh, he has to get back on a plane so yes, he, he can is. be home in time mm-hmm. to record Connected. <laughs> exactly. Yes, that's the reason. Mark. Yes. <laughs> so uh, we're going to talk about the watch, but uh, Federico, why, can, this is the first time that you've put your hands on one of these babies. Uh, do you want to give give me a couple of minutes? Like, What are your first impressions of, of holding one of these things? Sure. Um my first thought, and, and uh, I talk to other people and it seems to be a common impression, is how uh, small it seems to be. I thought it would be much, much bigger. Even I tried both the 38 and 42 millimeter versions and I thought it was going to be much bigger. And it's actually pretty small. It's very compact. Uh, the, the idea that I, that I got uh, from those uh, 10 minutes of, a, of demo, uh, it's really compact. And it feels I I tried the the forty two version uh, with the Milanese loop on me, and it felt great. I mean the the loop itself was super smooth, and like when you touch it, I mean it's all made of a uh, steel, I guess, uh, but it's very soft, and like you can tell that it's been um, made in a in a very premium process. And the watch is kind of is. It, different because you there's all this bunch of gestures and the click wheel that you need to learn how to operate it can be a little confusing at first um i i got stuck myself a couple of times when i um to navigate the home screen because it can be a little diff, um, you know different to pan around and then you gotta click uh the click wheel to return to the to the to the watch face and then you gotta activate the glances it can be a little different coming from the iPhone and iPad perspective because it's not the same uh iOS structure the way that things are laid out uh, laid out and arranged on screen. Um I think based on my uh the, the limited time that I had it is going to be a, and I'm and I'm talking personally it is going to be useful for me when it comes to exercises, when it comes to uh, tracking my daily physical activity, and I cannot wait to see how developers will plug into these uh, new features. You know, the heart rate, uh, the activity monitoring, and the way that you can use an iPhone app as a backend and sync a specific subset of functionality and data back to the phone. Um, but what what I what I tried was. Um, so I didn't get a demo of the communication features uh, because I feature I focus on the on the home screen notifications and uh, the fitness stuff. So it was really, I mean, I guess I have big hands and big fingers. I don't know, uh, but it felt really small to me, um, even the, the the 42 version. And so that was kind of that was kind of off-putting. Uh, I wasn't expecting that, and. T- touching the icons on the home screen is also quite strange because it, like the way that you pan around and zoom and, and use the click wheel is kind of, I don't know, it felt different to me. But I think also the sensor is super cool the, the, that you that you have in the back of the device. Um, Apple didn't let me exchange the band on my own. Uh, they told me that they will... Uh, they were taking care of uh, changing the bands for me. Uh, not sure why they didn't want me. I saw the uh, bloggers saying that the that Apple uh, the, the the Apple representatives didn't let them change the bands mm. just yet. Uh, probably because they don't want to see you know don't want to make people try the mechanism. I don't know. 
I saw Panzerino tweet that the you know that he mentioned and he wrote about the like what do they call it like the port that's in there. Yeah. Um, yeah. He says that he was able to confirm that the ones that are in the demo unit still had that port in them. Ah, okay. So, and he doesn't, you, that, know, that that, could, you know, maybe they've still got it in there, the diagnostics port, and yeah. they'll be coming out in the shipping that version. Makes sense. So they didn't want you to see that, maybe. That makes sense. So it was smaller than I was expecting. The screen looks gorgeous, very colorful, very high quality, I guess. Um, I'm really excited about the fitness features and getting reminders on my wrist when I'm... Uh, walking or exercising in general, I think it'll be a big deal for people who want to keep track of these sort of things. But also I think for, so I couldn't get a demo of the communication features, but based on what I saw on stage, it feels really intimate in the way that you talk to people and interact to close friends and family. Uh, I, I think it'll be an interesting addition to to the iOS lineup. I think it'll be so, I, I mean, I, I still don't know. Will I use my phone less? Will I, will I still use my iPhone just as much as I'm using it now? Uh, will I do some tasks on the watch? Uh, we were, I was talking to Jason at lunch, and, you know, all these apps that are promising to do all the things that you can do on a phone now on a watch, I'm very skeptical of those kinds of apps. I do want to see apps that do only some stuff on the watch because it makes sense to put that kind of, functionality on the watch um so we'll see but yeah from a from a from a hardware perspective much smaller and the milanese loop is super fashionable and really premium feeling overall yeah thank you federico and uh sure. thank you for for joining us today uh, thank you guys for having me surprise yeah it's great to talk to you even though you you short my life expectancy a little bit um, <laughs> i'm sorry and I'm very happy that you were there, and I'm very excited to talk to you on Connected uh, this week. Me too. About uh, about the experience mm. Uh, mm. and some of the things that you've got up gotten <laughs> up to today, which I'm uh, I cannot <laughs> wait to hear all these stories. I said it was um, a little bit like going being on the set of a TV show or something. Uh, Federico said earlier today, it's like uh, seeing everybody from Twitter in person, <laughs> real life Twitter. <laughs> it was weird. Yeah. So Federico Vitici, where can people, uh, where can they find you if they've never heard from you Please before? Please not at the airport today. No. Like, like they wanted come to looking do looking yesterday. Don't come <laughs> looking for me, please. I'm super tired. Uh, they can find me on Twitter, V-I-T-I-C-C-I, -I -I, that's at Vitici. And my website that I, I guess I run uh, with other people, uh, that's maxstories.net. And that's the two places where you can find me. And the connected podcast and virtual podcast. Oh yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, I just take all it these, for granted. All the great shows. All the great shows and mm -hmm. on Relay FM. Yes, <laughs> including this one now. Yes. You know, this is the first time that uh, Federico and I have been on a podcast together. Oh. Just together in general. <laughs> well, they, well, that's true too. But but I because I've been on, on I've been on the prompt and connected, but only when you weren't that's there. That's right. That's right. I know. So I had to get him to California to make it happen. If you not yeah. had him on Clockwise yet, and and no. no, we haven't. Oh, we should do that. Oh, that's a good idea. Hmm. We, we're Clockwise is branching out. We have all these European people on Clockwise now. Hmm. Yeah, because yeah, nice. the time works really well. Because the us. time really works well for that. That's true. <laughs> that's very true. 
no this is uh this has been this has been great it's been a real treat everybody has been um excited to meet federico i've, I've been really enjoying the introductions where i say oh have you met federico <laughs> medici here he is it's like he's really here. jason has been super awesome you mike have as uh, you've been super awesome with all your advice and messages and everybody has been so kind. And well, don't forget my live blogging of your entire day that yes. I've been completing. It was amazing. Everybody was super kind. And yeah, I had a great time here. And now I'll go back to Italy. Hopefully it'll be a smooth flight and back. You can take a, a, a nice long rest on the, on yeah. the plane. Yeah. All right. Well, so here's this is the weird thing that's going to happen. We are going to um, break, let Federico go, and then we will resume upgrade and uh those of you listening on the podcast will will never know that there was a delay in between all right mike I'm, i'll see you on the other side okay okay so federico is gone it was a pleasure having him it was but he's gone now he's gone to the airport and i've gone home and uh and upgrade continues it does so we should talk about we should talk about the watch then so you this is you know Everybody's seen the, the the video before, but this is also your second time having a demo. I mean, my my assumption is the demo that you've yeah. got yourself today has been more comprehensive than the demo that you had previously. Well, there, there was, it wasn't the don't touch. Um, <laughs> the previous demo was you could put a, a a watch on your wrist that was running in a in a loop of like samples, mm-hmm. no interaction. And then an Apple employee had one and they would go through a script of sort of you could do this and you could do this. But it was very much like you couldn't get them off the path because there was stuff they just didn't want to show and that wasn't ready and that things would crash or break or whatever. Um, This time when they put the the watch on your wrist, they they still told you what you could what you could do, but you could do it. So it was a little more advanced. They're definitely further along than it was. So a little more sense of it. I mean, it was it was very similar to the, I, I've you know I've seen it before. So it was it was not new to me. It was it's I'm I'm glad I'm glad it's close, but it wasn't new um, for somebody like Federico who had never who had never seen it in person. Um, I you know I I think that was a really valuable thing for the rest of us. It, we we sort of seen it before. It definitely is not. It looks bigger. I think. Um, I think it's bigger in people's minds than it, is, it will be on their wrists. I guess I could put it that way. I think, um, I, and as somebody who's been wearing a pebble, you know, it doesn't look that big. It's not that big. Even the big one is not is not a huge one. It's it's not big, and they're pretty. They're. I, I was going to say this when we were talking with Federico. Apple has for years now, since the big Bob Mansfield days, I think Apple has prided itself on. It's um, metal work. You know, they've got videos with Johnny Ive or with or with Bob Mansfield where they talk about about the enclosures of MacBooks and, you know, the uni the unibody MacBooks and all that. Apple Apple really thinks one of its key uh, uh, key attributes that it has over its competition is its ability to really understand materials. And you see it in the in the the two videos they showed in the event, and the the other one they put on the website about the the materials that, uh, that make up the watch. You know they're really proud of that. But at the same time, you feel it in the products. the 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 materials they use on their products on iPhones and iPads on on Macs, and especially on this new MacBook and on the watch, they're 
extremely high quality, made extremely well. And the watch, you know, you wear it, you look at it, you can tell. This is, this is you know, not to bring a pebble again, but um, it's, a, it's a nice product. But the hardware, you know, it's pedestrian hardware. It's fine. But Apple... Apple's playing a different game from Pebble, and you can see it. So, so, so the advantage of seeing that watch in person not only do you get to gauge the size of it, but you get to look at the metal and and how it's been built. And uh, you know that's something that's a skill that Apple has. We talk about the combination of hardware and software and their clever hardware design, but their materials and machining and you know all those things that go into uh, that finished product, they're really good at that too. And the watch is a really great example of it because there's not a lot of hardware there, so it needs to be really good. And the watch looks and feels... Um, you know, really good. You can you can make some style judgments about it. I know I've heard some people say that they think that the Apple Watch looks ugly. Um, fair enough, but it is made with it is purpose built. It is made with a, a lot of care, and uh, it, it is beautiful in that way. I want to come back to this in, in a second. I want to talk about those vi- the videos, but we, I want to go back to the MacBook again. Um, talking about machining, when we yeah. didn't really talk about this, the things that they are doing inside of that computer. It's like witchcraft. Like ah, uh, yeah. Like the logic board and the stuff they're doing with battery and tech. the terrorist, the terrorist batteries, right? Is Which, insane. It is insane, and I, I had that thought of like, how do you? So then you need a battery replacement or something. <laughs> like, well, there's a custom. <laughs> there's a custom. Well, you you go into the Apple store and there's a custom battery that's that they'll order or that they have on hand that they put in there part, you know, part seven that goes in that corner. But, um, that's how you do it. I, this is the thing about Apple is Apple is not a company that's taking stock parts off of a parts list and putting them together and saying, look, we made a computer. And in fact, Apple of today is not even playing the same game as Apple of five or 10 years ago where, um, you know, there's so much that they do that's original, and that that allows them to push the the categories that they're in forward. And it's it's amazing to see that that logic board on that MacBook is super tiny. I mean, there's nothing to it. It's a whole computer on this little tiny thing. And then and then I I love what Apple um, said about it. What Phil Schiller said about it, which is you know what do we do with the rest of it? Fill it with batteries. <laughs> what are we going to ship a product full of air? No, we want it full of battery. That was my favorite yeah. line. Yeah, and it makes sense that you would, and they did. That you know, to the to the the greatest degree possible, every other space in that entire thing is just battery. So, so back back to the the watches. Um, my my girlfriend arrived home. I was watching. Um. I was watching the the event on like on like the TV that I use for the the Mac Pro. Oh right! And uh, so it was it was nice to watch the the videos uh, that they were showing, especially because they just started showing like the way you know the, the sort of the vignettes that they had for each material, and they only showed st- the steel and aluminium videos, I believe. And she she, she yes. kind of came in and she was just watching it. And I was like, as like, the the level of care they put into these videos, nobody else will do this. We were talking about that at lunch. Um, I think I had that thought while I was watching them that I wonder who they hired to direct those, because that looked to me like world class, a level, um, like commercial director or maybe you know doc- documentary director. But that was that that is not 
like industrial films from f- that they show in high schools. No. That was like filmmaking. That the, the 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 shots of the of the metalwork and stuff were art artful and beautiful, which is crazy. That's a crazy level of detail. It's totally unnecessary, totally unnecessary, but amazing. The I've uh, piece in the New Yorker suggested that they were doing the previous watch videos in-house. Do you think that there's a, a chance that there's maybe somebody who works in the design team now whose job it is to make these videos and they've hired a filmmaker? I don't know. I don't know. If it is, I, it, it's, it, it felt much more like a, much, much more stylish than, but this wasn't the Johnny Ive sits in a white room kind no. of video. It was a different kind of video. And if that's an in-house person, then yeah, that I think that person or the people who built this are, are very talented because that's what it felt like to me. Like I noticed how good it looked and how it really didn't need to look that good and be that attractive. And I thought, you know, this is the kind of thing where they hire a, uh, an A-list commercial director or a, or photographer or somebody who also does commercials, somebody who is just um, really talented at this sort of thing. Because it was, yeah, it was much more artful and um, beautiful uh, piece of work than it, it than a thing about the metal that goes into a watch ever needs to be. <laughs> Johnny's role in these product introduction videos seems to be increasing. Yeah, I think they've decided that he is the narrator of the um, of the product creation experience at Apple. Really, for lack of a better way to phrase it, that that if you're creating this, I always used to say that Steve Jobs was doing like techno- technological advancement live on stage as a stage show, which is not true. But that was like how you felt in a Steve Jobs keynote was like, and we just invented this thing, and here it is. Which is, you know, the work of doing that is long and boring and. Um, to make it exciting, you need that showmanship. I, I think that maybe the Johnny Ive videos are like a different version of that. They, they don't have Steve anymore, but they've got Johnny Ive, and he is uh, doesn't want to be live on stage, but he's pretty good at doing those at doing those videos, and it captures some of that mystique. It captures some of that um, only Apple kind of kind of approach, um, as well as telling a story about a way that they're very different. So I think it's an interesting way to to spin that same idea that you're trying to communicate these things that are probably not going to be interesting in some other format. And how do you make them um, more exciting? And and one of the ways is you have these, you, you built the, this visual language for these white room kind of videos, and you've got Johnny Ive narrating it, and he brings some weight to it as the you know the mr design genius tells you why this is uh, this product is awesome i mean that's a good um th- that's good for apple to have that that kind of thing that it can play so i i do think they're kind of coming into their own as a a standard way where johnny will explain the uh the thinking behind the product and why and it's always too why we put so much extra work into it we reinvented keyboards so that we can make the keyboard in the MacBook with this stainless steel thing here and this butterfly thing here. I mean, the Apple loves telling those kinds of stories, and and the the Jonathan Ive videos are a very good way to tell those stories. I think. Yeah, like they mentioned in the in the in the MacBook introduction, like they, they kind of they they spoke about it a little bit. I can't remember the exact words, but just about the amount of invention that has to occur for a product like this to exist. Like every piece has to be reinvented. Like that's how you create something like that. Yeah, 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 and and uh, 
not many companies doing that right now. And Apple knows it. And Apple Apple knows that that's how they they're different is by having these things, not just the like I said, this loving, you know, material science kind of stuff that they do. Um, also the things like the custom logic boards and things like that. I mean, that's that's what what makes Apple Apple. Yeah. Uh, like, why would you? Yeah. Like, why would well, you yeah. do that? You know. But they do. And it's because you're never satisfied, and you want to you want to make it uh, you know that much thinner or that much better. And I love that Apple's got that drive. They don't, that that will. You know, when when I was ranting earlier about the the some you know the MacBook the new MacBook is not for a lot of people, and it may be pushing it a little too far, like the original MacBook Air. Um, that's that's true, but that's a side effect of being you know being unsatisfied with things the way they are and always trying to push forward, which is something I really admire about Apple's approach to to product design that they are they are always trying to do that crazy next thing and they're never really satisfied with where they are and sometimes yeah that leads to kind of weird crazy products but um it also drives them to innovate and that's the stuff that pushes not only their products forward but a lot of times is influential in pushing the whole you know whatever category it is forward it's like a relentless march forward like it's just part of that right that that that's what it is that drives them to do this they just will keep keep pushing keep pushing keep pushing yeah um did you find out or have you come across any any additional information about the watch that has intrigued you in any way? Oh, uh, the thing that intrigued me the most is probably the price because I really had talked myself into thinking that the Apple Watch collection. Also, I, I'll pause for a moment to say I laughed when they uh, said uh, when Tim Cook described the the formation of these three different product lines as curation. We curated the watch into these different lines. Really, curated is the word you're looking for there. I guess that means we pick what bands go with what watches. Yeah, it was just like such the wrong word. Like yeah, it was like oh, there were all these watches that existed in the world. And then we brought them together and got rid of the ones we didn't like. No, 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 no. They're all yours. <laughs> you make them all. <laughs> it's very, very peculiar word. And and I think it's because they've kind of boxed themselves into a corner of the words they can use by taking the word addition, and then also by calling them, calling one of the collections Apple Watch. Like I feel like that they've ended up with the naming that they've chosen. They've put themselves where it actually makes it very difficult to describe what's what um i think that's yeah they, they kind of found themselves in this weird naming problem but so tell me what you think about the pricing then so i was really happy that the that the 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 apple watch was less than i thought but then i walked into the demo room and um i looked at them and i thought you know the apple watch blank um, the stainless steel one, it's this shiny stainless steel. It reminds me of a back of an iPod, the early iPods, you know, those shiny stainless steel backs where they get covered in fingerprints and stuff. And then I looked at the, uh, anodized aluminum that's got as the, as the materials video said, a satin finish, aluminum with a satin finish. And I thought, um, I actually like that better. <laughs> so now I don't know. Now I kind of I kind of think the sport looks better. Um, although the the space black uh, of the of the Apple Watch nameless looks pretty slick too. So I don't know. I don't like that rubber band, uh, which you know, fluoro fluoroelastomer fluoroelastomer. 
I don't like that one. So um, I don't know what I'm going to do. But I like that the 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 middle one is cheaper, and I'm just not sure if I want a shiny stainless steel watch. So this might be something you're not yet aware of, um, but there are a whole selection of straps that you can buy on the Apple Store. They're, they're basically selling them all. Um, no they are selling them get. all. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Well, that was that was what I was saying, and people were doubting me and thinking I, I had people asking like, "Oh, Apple will just make them that they're not compatible or something like that." And I can't, I can't see that. I can't see that happening. Yeah. So, so maybe, basically, what they have is there are certain SKUs that you can buy, like for example, with the Sport, you can only pick up the fluoroelastomer bands, but they have a selection on the store and it's got all the bands there and you click through and it doesn't tell you that they can only be used on certain watches. Mm. So the just the, the the perceived notion is that you can use it and I've seen people, uh, some journalists and, and people tweeting that they have they had they confirmed with Apple that you can use any strap on any watch. Yeah. Yeah, which I think the ones that are missing here are there's none of the addition ones, which, you know, also makes sense. Right. Right, which actually is the way that they described it on stage, was these are special uh, limited edition watches with special high, super high quality materials. Mm-hmm. Um, although the the uh, Milanese uh, loop, I was uh, uh, impressed that that you can just go ahead and buy that. I mean, it's one hundred and fifty bucks, but that's what you got to do. I, I I think my right now, if I were gonna say I'm I'm placing an order. I would probably place an order for the sport with um with a uh, a leather band, but I don't that I would add on, but I don't know which leather band. Probably the the black classic, the classic buckle. I think so. I think yeah, that's probably I'm, what I do. I have a lot more looking at these pages to go before yeah. I'm, before I'm even nearly at the point where I have any idea what I'm ordering yet. Nearly every watch that I own is uh, or have ever owned has had a since I had a Casio keyboard uh, or Casio calculator watch with a plastic strap. Since then they've pretty much all been black leather or it, in the case of uh one it was brown leather strap, but that was that was always sort of like that that meant watch to me. And in fact, um, my dad, my dad, uh, gave me his Rolex and, uh, it came with this metal link band and I just, I hate metal link bands. So I actually have a leather band for that, even though I'm sure that the right thing to do would be to pay hundreds and hundreds of dollars to fix the uh, broken links in the metal band, but I would never wear it because I hate wearing watches with metal bands. So we'll see. I'm looking, I'm looking forward to it, but that's good. I, I, I think it would have been crazy for Apple to sort of say, we're only selling certain bands with certain models. I get, I get the curation part of it. Um, pardon the the expression of like, well, the sport edition comes with a sport band. Period. We're not going to make it more complicated than that. And if you want to buy another band, go buy another band. But we're not going to we're not going to have you build to order your watch with eighty different band choices because that's too crazy. So fair enough. So battery life. This is we have more information on battery life. Well, we have some yes. information where previously we had none. Uh what's your your take on on the battery life? Well, they had to do a they had to do a uh a day. I I wrote so I wrote two things after we talked last week. I wrote two things on on the Apple Watch, one for Macworld and one for iMore. 
And on the iMore one, which is my list of like things that the, 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 the Apple Watch needs to do, one of them was it needs to last all day. It doesn't need to last two days, but it needs to last all day. And they said 18 hours, which should be enough for most people, I think Tim Cook said. Um, and 18 hours, how do you get that number? I'm sure they've got some sort of algorithm that they use, some sort of testing suite that they use, which is it's for every hour, it's this much of this and this much of that. And, you know, just like trying to emulate, probably based on actual user data, what the average day is for an average Apple Watch user. And they've got a lot of user data now. If they've truly got a thousand people at Apple wearing these things, they've got a lot of user data. I can tell you actually what they think it is. Because oh, yeah? they've okay. got a, they've got a page as a as an apple.com slash watch slash battery page. We make a great team. The guy who's looking at all the web pages and the guy who just went to the event and uh-huh. doesn't know anything about what's on the internet. This is perfect. This is the reason why I turned down all the invitations <laughs> that I get. You yes, know, just I, so I mm-hmm. can be here with my finger on the pulse. You're needed. Mm-hmm. Um, all day battery life up to 18 hours testing conducted by Apple in March of 2015 using pre-production Apple Watch and software paired with an iPhone using pre-production software all day battery life is based on 18 hours with the following use 90 time checks, 90 notifications 45 minutes of app use and a 30 minute workout with music playback oh. from Apple Watch via Bluetooth over the course of 18 hours battery life varies by use, configuration and many oh. other factors actual results may vary i think that's pretty good um i think that's pretty good and then they have a couple of other things like there are like how much talk time you can get how much audio how much watch and one of the things that i find really interesting uh, two things actually sorry charge time it takes about one and a half hours to charge it to 80 percent and two and a half hours to 100 percent which i think they're pretty fair i mean if it i agree uh, I have no problem with it taking an hour and a half to charge eighty percent. Like that's great. You just sit. Clearly, in, you just sit clearly it down. the use case is is you go to bed and you take it off and charge it. Mm-hmm. That's the use case, and that makes sense. The forty-two millimeter typically experiences longer battery life. It says on the page mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, I think, and so I think they they made it. We'll see. We'll see whether those models really match reality. But I bet you they're pretty close. I bet they have a pretty good idea of of this and how it gets used and that's good because it doesn't need to last all day you you, you're not gonna your watch cannot die because it's four in the afternoon it did that no it cannot do that so they have to make it that way or or that that product's a failure if it doesn't last all day so i think they made it last all day i think that's great i think that's great to hear um and who knows what kind of things we'll, we may find out what kind of things they've done in the software in order to get it to, to work like that. But um, they, had to, they had to do it. That's a number they had to hit. It had to last all day. I mean, my personal history with Apple battery estimation has always been good. So I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt and say that I'm going to believe this. Yeah. Yeah, they, those numbers are real. I should. I, I actually. Um. You know. Some. I, I don't know if he worked on this one or not. But you know, people. I'll, I'll put it this way. People I have worked with in the past who worked at MacWorld and Mac User in the labs now work at Apple, and this is what they do: is they do they do product testing. But instead of publishing the results on a website, they you know they come up with what the tests are and they and they do the methodology and they come up with the numbers and and that helps inform how they market the battery life and other things. And I don't know literally don't know anything about what they've done since they've gone on the inside, but I do know that there are a whole bunch of people who used to do, you know, public tests 
for magazines and websites like Macworld and Mac User back in the day are now doing that at Apple. These are professionals. They know what they're doing. These numbers, you know, Apple is always going to pick the numbers that reflect best on them, but they, they are not, Apple is not motivated to make up bogus tests that are not matching the real world. And actually, for the last few years, that's absolutely been the case, that Apple tries to pick fairly realistic, again, reflecting positively on Apple. Of course, they're going to do that, but fairly realistic uh, tests of real world usage so that they don't they, they don't want to get in that game where they claim that there's 15 hours of battery life but that it turns out that everybody knows it's only four <laughs> they don't they don't, they try to avoid that and they, they've done a pretty good job of making their tests more realistic than they used to be i did have a, a little gripe that i just wanted to to mention which is not with apple it's with people um so Apple said that all-day battery life for the watch is 18 hours, and they said that the the new MacBook gets 10 hours of battery life, and that's also, they called it all-day battery life. Yes. And I've seen people say, like, oh, but how's that the same? Two definitions of all-day. I was like, no, it's all-day for what you use them for. Yeah. Like, a yeah. watch all-day is whenever I'm awake. Uh, a, a laptop is whenever I'm using a laptop, which also, shouldn't what, be for I'm, every hour I'm awake. When I'm walking somewhere, I am not using my laptop, yeah. but I don't take off my watch at any point during the day. So they are different. And yeah, you use your laptop in a very different way than you use your watch. You got to get people to to the end of the day, right? That's the, I mean, really, your feet hit the floor in the morning and you maybe, okay, you, you step out of the shower in the morning, you get dressed and you put on your watch. That should be the start of the clock. And the end of the clock is it's the end of the day and you take off your watch and click it into the little charger and then go to bed. Can you make it from start to finish? And Apple, that's Apple's challenge. And, uh, you know, they seem to think that they made it. Um, availability. So it seems like we're going to be getting pre-orders on April 10th with availability on April 24th. Um, you, the UK is included, which is great news so i'll be i'll be pre-ordering and there's also going to be um select apple stores um yes and, and i have seen and i don't i i saw this fly by a couple of times on twitter today i do not have a clarification on it ju- just yet that in the uk in london there they will be having uh the apple watch in the selfridges department store as well so you'll be huh. able to go in and see them in person now i need to get that confirmed um but that that would be very interesting if that was the case considering there are two of the world's flagship uh stores and one of them is just a stone throw away um, but it would make sense because selfridges is a world-known uh department store so it, it would be very oh. sensible i think because as well of the incredible luxury so the way that i expect it to be is the additions are there <laughs> and the other yeah. st- the regular stores have the the uh, the other models what i going back to the availability a little bit about the edition they said select apple stores limited edition i think apple have answered the question of store redesign there ain't going to be one yeah i mean maybe there will be but it's not about this i think that's the i think yeah, that's the way to do it they don't need it, to redesign the stores because they'll just no. for the stores that have them they'll just have a room in the back that you go to by appointment like it's whatever yeah in the special stores yep yeah I think that's right. And I, I wouldn't surprise me if one day they're in uh the additions are in uh high end, you know, specific high end jewelry stores or department stores. Um 
but uh, Apple retail is in lots of places and they're in the places where there's the most money. <laughs> so starting there seems like a good idea. Yeah, so we'll. Uh, I like what they're also going to do is they're going to have demo units from the tenth. This is the way it should be. I, th- I think this makes a lot of sense for this product. Is there'll be a, a pre-ordering process and then a buying process, and in between the two of them, you'll be able to go and try them on. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. The the pre-order. Well, the pre-order is April tenth, right? Mm-hmm. And that's when the try-on I think starts around then yeah. too. But yeah, it's a good. It's trying the try-on thing. It's good. That's gonna be. It's gonna be new for Apple to do that. But uh, you've got to do that. You've got to get it on people's wrists and have them understand it before they uh, put the money down for that. They showed the table, right? Which is very similar to the table I think you've seen. Um, yeah, it's the it's the same table. They had it again today, although you know they had it with glass over it, but. Uh, and then we saw that table at a, at a, uh, the event six months ago too. They are going to be swamped. Just it's going to be a, so. a nightmare in the stores. That's a, that's a good problem for Apple to have, I think. Yeah. So I, I'm hoping that they'll do pre-order for in-store pickup. That's what I, that that would be my my dream scenario there. Huh. Um, the I have found with with Apple products delivery to be lacking in some instances. No. I've had many problems in the past with things not getting delivered because of demand on launch days, and then courier companies just stop working at certain right, points right. in the day. Um, you you um you're lucky though. I mean, we I don't think we mentioned this earlier. You are one unlike Federico. You are one of the nine countries that will be getting the watch on day one. Yeah, I I would have been surprised if um. If it would have been outside of the U.S., it wasn't my concern that if it was outside of the U.S., would the U.K. be one? My concern was, will it be outside of the U.S.? Right, right. But I, w- I was surprised that nine countries are getting it on day one and not just the, yeah. US, the U.S. So that was something. Because the U.K. has been uh, part of the kind of the, the launch countries for a long time, um, or at least, you know, of, of the second round always in that one with the first round just being US and Canada or whatever. Um so I'm yeah I'm very I'm very happy that we're getting it. Um yeah, that makes me makes me smile because uh, that sucks to wait. It's yeah, know, whatever, it just it does. Um now we have some ask upgrade uh but I kind of have two two last questions um and then we'll All we'll, right. we'll do some quick fire ask upgrade. Um, do you have any more thoughts about the design or overall about the Apple Watch? Um, and what were your overall impressions of how this keynote played out? Uh, I have my, let's see, my only other thoughts about the design of the Apple Watch is, um, I, I'm interested in the fact that there are these very specific, um, bands that they've created and i'm not a enough of a watch person to have had experience with lots and lots of bands like i said a traditional leather band is about all i have used i'm struck by the fact that they all seem to have clever ways of clasping and uh i suppose you get used to it but i I had that moment where i thought to myself oh the apple watch isn't good enough to just have a regular band that everybody knows how to use (laughs) <laughs> they are all a little bit clever and that's fine maybe i will figure that out but like even the sport band i'm like you know you gotta kind of 
figure out which hole the, there's the little thing and you push the little thing into the hole and I don't know it, it just seemed kind of complicated to me and I thought that was kind of funny and it's like I get that they're trying to make these a special experience but uh, I think it takes a little get, getting used to so every time I've had one of these Apple watches on it's been like a um, like I have the Apple person they they apply the watch to my wrist that <laughs> I thought this is is this weird that uh, none of us, or at least, you know, me and, and I think some of the people around me couldn't put it on ourselves, that we that, that it's it's odd enough that we had to have the expert who's been trained in putting on our our watch band do that for us. I don't know. It just it, it's not they're They're more they're different than what I'm used to. So it's going to take some getting used to. Um, and the only other thing I would say is, like, like I said earlier, um, the. Uh, stainless steel is really shiny. The stainless steel space black is shiny black, uh, whereas the the sport is that anodized aluminum. So it's a it's a uh, uh, satin finish and it's more matte. And I like I like that. Um, and it makes me interested in that one, um, which I surprised me a little bit because I was thinking much more about the stainless. Uh, the stainless is really beautiful too. They all look they look great. They do definitely look. Um, beautifully manufactured and i think that apple has worked hard to make this a, a super high quality uh product in terms of the manufacturing so that's about it interesting stuff cool um why don't we uh thank our ask upgrade sponsor and, ah yes and i'll i'll sort of i'll fire these out at you Okay. Ask Upgrade is brought to you, as always, by, as always, okay, maybe not always, sometimes, as sometimes, by the good people at MailRoute, who are our friends, our dear friends. Um, I use MailRoute. Uh, let me tell you a story. Imagine a world picture in a world. It's like a movie trailer without spam, viruses, or bounced email. This is the world of MailRoute. MailRoute is a service that can make uh, filtering out all the spam and junk from your uh from your mail a daily reality because it lives in the cloud you don't have to install any hardware or software it's a, its own server that's got a lot of intelligence about what is bad stuff and your mail comes not to your mail server but to MailRoute. MailRoute filters out the bad stuff and then it connects to your mail server and delivers the good mail so the bad mail stuff doesn't come onto your network you your mail server doesn't sit there getting connection after connection from spammers who are trying to send spam and then your mail server rejects it or your mail server accepts it and then it gets into your mailbox. Your mail server stays uh, pristine because it's only talking to MailRoute. MailRoute is talking to the big bad internet. Um, because MailRoute's handling all of that, like I said, no hardware or software for you to maintain, easy to set up, it's reliable, trusted by large universities and corporations alike. If you're an email admin or an IT professional, MailRoute has built the tools with you in mind. These are the things that they have built. There's an API for easy account management. There's support for LDAP and Active Directory, TLS, Outbound Relay, and mailbagging mailbagging i was very sad to hear on the star wars episode you see, i was listening to it earlier and i heard the word and i was like i need to say something <laughs> yeah you can't you're not allowed I, I i should get a little recording of you to chime in about mailbagging we heard by the way mailbagging is um and thanks to the listener who i don't think i've got it in the notes who who wrote in about mailbagging uh mailbagging is a is a way to queue up mail a uh, listener christian and there's a uh, there's a uh a little link that we'll put in the show notes about what is mailbagging that came straight from listener Christian. So it basically, if the server goes down, it can put that mail in a bag and, uh, and then 
it cues it up, and then that mail is delivered later when the servers come back up. That's what mailbagging is. Thank you, listener Christian. Um, so start a risk-free trial for MailRoute. No credit card necessary. You sign up, you change your MX records, and that's the part about the mail comes to MailRoute, and then it passes on to you. And at that point, your mailbox, your mailbox and your server hardware are completely protected. It's so simple and effective, there's no reason not to try it. And better yet, you get a 10% off discount for the lifetime of your MailRoute account if you go to MailRoute.net slash upgrade. Thank you to MailRoute a good friend for sponsoring Ask Upgrade this week. Good friend indeed. Okay, Mr. Jason Snell. Let's try and walk through some of these. Mr. I, Michael. Um, I, I guess these some of the answers to these questions are like, I guess it's going to be what do we think rather yeah, than what sure. do we know. Uh, will HBO Go continue with HBO Now around? Yes, they, they may be the sim- similar or the same, but HBO Go is for subscribers to HBO. And HBO Now is um, this over-the-top service. So I assume that they will be, um, that there's sort of like you can subscribe to HBO or you can subscribe to HBO Now. And HBO subscribers also get HBO Go with it. I, you know, are there going to be two different icons? I don't know. Maybe. Maybe not. I don't, that, I don't know that part, but I, I feel like there's a differentiator there between HBO Go, which is the mobile service for people who are buying the television uh, subscription, and then HBO Now is the unbundled, just HBO streaming. That's my guess. That was from Brian. Uh, Rob asks, why no new Apple TV? <laughs> we got a lot of old Apple TVs to move. We're going to cut the price and sell those out, and then we'll make a new Apple TV later. That's my guess, is that there will probably be a new Apple TV and new interface, and that's coming, but um, you know, whether it's because they've got a lot of stock or whether because it's just not ready yet, I think the 69 whatever is a 69 price point for the yep. for the old apple tv yep. i mean that kind of makes sense there are huge margins on that they can sell that um because it's so it's been around so long the margins have got to be pretty good and uh yeah there really needs to be a new apple tv but not yet not yet maybe maybe soon it's a if i were tim cook i really wish that i had made an apple tv announcement today that was not just hbo um, and maybe I would be un- unhappy with the person who <laughs> was in charge of getting that new Apple TV out the door, or maybe not. But they they desperately need one, I think, just because that the, they're falling behind their competitors. But now they've got HBO on their side, so that's something. Oh, Joe Steele asked a question. Yeah, it's similar. Like, are there any <laughs> hardware changes to the TV at all? Not my not my understanding, but I don't know I don't know any details. But it, it seems to me that it's just uh, whatever the last rev. I mean they they've done a lot of stealth updates to that thing that are incredibly minor. But uh, yes, it is a two plus year old box discounted to sixty nine dollars, and um, you know with any luck they'll introduce a new one and that one will fade away. Okay, and then let's move on to the MacBook. Uh, right. Jason asks, "This isn't you." No. somebody else. Jason uh, B. Why won't Apple go two millimeters thicker and add a cellular modem uh, to the 9, 0.92 kilogram ultra, ultra portable? Now, I I think Apple answered this themselves, uh, but why do you think this is? I think uh, tethering is built into Mac OS and iOS, and if you want to use cellular, you are going to use it attached to your phone and or your iPad. And so they are not going to bother and they've never bothered. And now they need to bother even less because of the features they added in Yosemite. So I think it's that simple. They, they don't, it, it adds complexity. It takes up space. 
Um, they must have some some research that shows that most people don't use it, and that if people wanted to, who who you know who opt for that on PCs, let's say, and uh, or don't want it, and uh, the features there to connect pretty easily to your to your phone or your iPad to get on on uh, cellular. So I just think it's not a priority for them. I think there are perfectly fine other options that don't require them to engineer a space for a a cellular modem. Yeah, that's they they literally said it like. At one point, they were like, "You can just use the tethering." It's like, "Well, that's why yeah. they built it into the OS. Like, why add it? It's not needed." Absolutely, um, and it's much easier. And it used to be more more complicated, but now, yeah, it's fine. Look, look, I, um, I understand that um, not everybody has uh, an iPhone or an iPad, but it, it's got to be a small percentage at this point. Yeah, I think. Yeah, it's not their priority to to provide cellular data for laptop users who don't have another a device that can give them cellular data. I just it I I totally see it now. I I would have really liked for there to be a cellular uh, option on on MacBooks at some point, but you know I've got the cellular iPad and I with a with a free T-Mobile um, plan that gives me a little bit of data every month and I never use it. I just never use it. Because I've got it on my phone. Right, so what else do we have here? John? Yes, John Voorhees uh, wants to know, what does the new MacBook mean for Thunderbolt? Um, I guess we kind of spoke about this a little we bit We talked about that a little bit, the, the, that it seems like that, that Intel um, reference board doesn't support Thunderbolt. I don't know if it means anything. I think it's not a great sign that Apple is embracing USB-C, but I feel like Thunderbolt may still be kicking around in lots of other systems um, because it's it's versatile. But if, they, if Apple finds that USB-C is this versatile and good, then it might decide that it doesn't need Thunderbolt anymore. That could happen. I don't think it's a good sign. I don't think it's a sign of Apple's complete abandonment, but I don't think it's a good sign that Apple is going down that path with anything. But we'll see. We'll see. Um, and then yeah. John asks yeah. about the gold. Um, does the gold look... John doesn't think it looks good. <laughs> What do you think? Uh, yeah, his question was, is it as ugly as it seems in photos? And the answer is, I haven't seen any photos of it. Um, I've only seen it in person. Uh, so I'm going to say no, because I think it looks pretty. Cool. Um, would you buy one? Would I buy a gold MacBook? Mm. Uh, I'm more of a space gray guy, although I do I do like the gold MacBook. Um, but I'm more of a space gray. I think I would go to the space gray MacBook. Okay. Um, now we have Aaron. Aaron, um, what do you think of the MacBook naming? It seems more high-end than the MacBooks of recent history. Right. I think this is a repositioning of the MacBook name. I think I think if you look out two, three years, we're going to have the MacBook and the MacBook Pro. And that's it. MacBook Air will fade into history um, at some point. I, th- but, I feel uh, like Apple have never gotten over taking the PowerBook name away. Yeah, Steve Jobs was tired of power. <laughs> he didn't want to he didn't want to talk about power anymore and it's fine it's fine i've gotten used to macbook but i think i like the macbook with no adjective name and i'm kind of glad it's back and i think they're all thin and light and uh, they, the air thing doesn't need to kick around anymore on uh i'm actually surprised it's on the ipad too but um i, I don't think it needs to kick around in this product line in the long term um so i i think it's fine to restate that this is a you know, I know there's a generation of people who think of the MacBook as the the cheap plastic laptop, but 
you know, Apple's shown that they're not afraid to redefine the names of uh, of stuff that they've the of, of old products and to reuse them. And uh, I think it's fine. I like I like that it doesn't have another cutesy uh, suffix. I, I'm happy for it to just be the MacBook. Yeah, I I, th- I think it's just they're gonna get rid of the MacBook Air again. And, and sure, then... in a, in a couple of years. Yeah. Um. You know the the the. I don't know. Today it may have gone away. I don't. I don't know. But last time I checked, the 13-inch non-Retina MacBook Pro was still on the price list. So these things tend to stick around for a while. And like I said, the conventional wisdom is the margins get better and better the longer those products are out there. And that's their low-price laptop right now. They that's the one that they can sell for under a thousand dollars. So they'll keep selling it for under a thousand dollars. And and uh, it may stick around for longer than we expect. But you know, as a non-retina system, it suddenly looks like the low, the low end, and it's priced to match it. Joe on Twitter has asked, um, "How can we charge and use something via USB at the same time on the new MacBook?" Now, yep. get a you, hub. Yeah, if you buy one of those fancy, extremely expensive USB things, you can use that. Um, I just wondered if maybe you had heard or seen anything different, nope. but I assume not. Get a hub. Get a hub. I, I, I think they're going to be some... Uh, Apple's got the one. <laughs> I think there'll be some other really interesting things eventually uh, out there that will be other options for people, and you'll be able to pick sort of what works for you, and Apple's will probably be the most basic, which is, you know, USB and video out. Um, but uh, that's it. There's no other way to do it. You can't... <laughs> uh, you can't. You can't charge and use something via USB at the same time without getting an accessory pretty crazy uh david on twitter where am i going to get macbook benchmarks without macworld labs it's a good question um macworld will probably test systems they might not you know they won't use speedmark but they'll probably use some benchmarks and and run some uh run some tests i will test everything that i get um but i don't know what i'm gonna get i don't know if i'm gonna get new macbooks i don't know if i'm gonna get you know, I don't know what I'm going to get in terms of reviews from Apple, but I know I know Macworld likes to get review units. I'm not sure whether they've got the budget anymore to do what we used to do in Macworld, which is buy all the units that Apple Apple couldn't get us ones of. So, you know, Apple would say we'll get you one of each of these two, but there are three other SKUs out there that we can't get you. We just buy those, and uh, I don't know if they're they have the budget for that anymore. So. We will see, but um, I'm sure MacWorld will do reviews of some of these systems and will will test them. And you know, I I tested, I ran tests on the 5K iMac, and will do so. Any other MacBooks or other Macs that I review on six colors, I will run some tests and and compare them. But it's not like not like the good old days, I think anymore. But we'll still, you know, there'll still be people out there running tests on this stuff. Now we have some, uh, to round off the episode today, some Apple Watch uh, related right. ask upgrade. Uh, this comes from Jeff. Does the Milanese Loop pull the arm hairs? Uh, I wish we had gotten this when Federico was here. I um, I don't know, and I am curious about this too. Federico said it was really um, it was really soft and, it, and, and a little more like uh, like uh, fabric than, than metal. This would be my question too, because it looks great, but and this I alluded to this earlier, the reason I don't like metal link um, watch bands is that they pull all my arm hairs out and it hurts and it sucks and they, it snags on them and it's just crappy. <laughs> so I can't wear them. I just can't. Um, if this doesn't do that, 
uh, then, you know, certainly very attractive, then I would be interested. So I'm going to have to try one on and see, but I, I, but I don't know for sure. My guess is that maybe not because it's woven. Um, so it's much more like fabric than, um, than the kind of metal bracelets that you think of, but I don't know for sure. I bet it, I bet it still would though. Probably. I think it still would. Probably. I don't know. I'll have to see. That's why I'm going leather. Yeah, leather. more than it's de- basically it's going to be infinitely more than leather does, you know. <laughs> what it much it does. Because from uh, uh, Oz Tamir on Twitter, I've got a couple here. Uh, do we? Do you have any details about water resistance? Anything yeah, additional? But- a bunch of us overheard Tim Cook in the area after the event talking to somebody who asked about uh, waterproof, and he said, you can take a shower with it, you could probably swim with it, just don't take it diving. Fair so enough. I think it's going to be that, I think it's going to be like you see on a lot of these products, I think the Pebble is like this too, that that what they're saying is, you know, whatever, five meters or something like that. There's some There's some qualification that basically means you could take it in the pool, but don't take it scuba diving. Ahoy Telephone. Is, <laughs> yes, we got. Uh... So Ahoy Telephone happened today because they did a demo, and I heard from a bunch of people on Twitter who got Ahoy Telephone by Apple during the event when they demoed when the guy who used to be at Adobe demoed the uh, the fact that and we we I don't think we knew this for sure because all of Apple's documentation on the website says you 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 press the digital crown and you can get. Uh, Ahoy Telephone. You can get uh, Siri to appear, and then you talk to her. But it turns out, yes, you can say Ahoy, te- Ahoy, timepiece, and um, and then uh, she will listen to you. Uh, I assume that can be turned off, but I don't know for sure. But it's a good question because we all did get Ahoy Telephone or Ahoy timepiece today. Do you have any sense of what the Apple Watch can do when it's unpaired from a phone? Uh, well, unpaired, I'm not sure if it does anything. Uh, when it loses its connection, when you go running and you leave your phone at home, uh, it'll do steps and it will do the onboard apps that are Apple's onboard apps, like the music player. So you could actually take Bluetooth headphones and go for a run and it would do step data and it would play music that you had loaded onto the watch. Those are things that it can do doesn't have a GPS, so it's not going to be able to map your run, but it would be able to monitor your, you know, your vitals and log that stuff. And when it reconnected back to the phone, uh, put all that stuff back in, in, uh, in the health app and, and all of that. So it's not super useful, but it's also not um, useless. And if you were validated and you went for a run and stopped off at Whole Foods to buy some peanut butter and manchego, you could buy, you could use Apple Pay on it too. It doesn't need to have the phone. Once it's authorized, you could use it for Apple Pay. If you took it off, then it would de-auth itself. But if you're wearing it, um, you would be able to use it for Apple Pay too. Brian Hamilton asks, do you think the Apple Watch pricing is alienating to Apple's core audience? Does it matter? Uh... I think because they start at 349, I don't think it is. I think I think it's fine. And then the other one is five something. I, I, these don't feel like alienated prices. Ten thousand. There were gasps in the hall when he said they started ten thousand. But also you got a lot of for the edition. But you got a lot of downplaying. They were like, and then there's the edition. It's a super special thing. It's only in it's limited quantities and it's in special stores and it's very special. And you know, it was the nicest way possible of saying. Um, saying if you need to know how much it costs, don't ask. Uh, you can't afford it. Uh, but he was really trying to say, look, that's a thing we're doing that is like special and not 
like, you know, this is our $10,000 watch, but very much more like it's jewelry and will be sold as such. Here are our core products. These are, in, these are more reasonably priced. They're not cheap. They're expensive things. We're talking about, you know, five, $600 for a watch, but I don't think it's, I, I it doesn't, feel alienating apple's always sold to people who uh spend more money on on technology i don't think this is any different so i i i think not i think it's a really good question to ask but i i think not uh people in the chat room real-time follow-up we have we have not waterproof not submerging apple watch is not recommended um that's what apple says all i can tell you is what tim cook said which was don't go diving with it (laughs) so we'll we'll see it's supposed to be you know we'll see Somebody will will uh, will take it swimming, and we'll find out whether it survives that or not. It is supposed to be pretty water resistant, so you know. But I don't know. This this is the problem with the way that people always get the lines between waterproof and water resistant. Right. Blurred. Right. I think I I think you know what Tim Cook was saying is basically like yeah, if you wanna if you wanna wa- shower with it, it's fine. Um. With the obviously with the sport band, <laughs> not with a, a, the the expensive nice materials bands because you'll ruin them. Um, that would be my guess, but um, they may not want to say that in their marketing materials for fear of some class action lawsuit. Um, but uh, it's a good question. But I I'll, I don't know. The CEO of the company seems to think you just need to not take it diving. <laughs> that's i'm gonna go with that i think you don't need to be terrified that it's a piece of electronics and it's gonna get wet and it's gonna get ruined i don't think that's the case whether you can wear it while you're swimming i don't know because and that's a good question because that would be a great use case right is to wear my apple watch sport while i'm swimming and have it log my swimming that would be great you should be able to do that i don't know if you can that feels like a really ambitious thing to do in a version one with the amount that's going on inside of the thing. Like, yeah, for it, you know, to 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 be that. I, all I know is I I I never took my pebble, uh, swimming. Yeah, and you're um, supposed to be able to do that too. Yeah, but it's just there are certain things where it's like, mm, yeah, I'm not gonna do that. Yeah. Jason, I think that about brings us to the all end right. of this bumper post keynote. It's epic. Two uh, locations, episode. surprise guests, guest. I have no extra extra guests for you to surprise you. I don't want to <laughs> kill you. you. Uh, big day, yeah, big huge. day. Much much more to talk about this week on all of your other podcasts. But um, uh, and I've got a lot more to to think about and to write and all of that. I haven't written anything yet. It's all been just like running around and then doing this podcast and then getting home. But um, but it's good. It's fun having an Apple event, and there's so much more to talk about. And I'm so happy that it's not just a rerun of the old event that we got the new stuff that we got the the tidbits about Apple TV and the research kit stuff and then we got the MacBook that's really that is really exciting too that we got and upgraded MacBooks that got, merited one slide <laughs> but still um I'm I'm glad we got that kind of news too and it wasn't just a replay of the Apple Watch with a few more details I'm I, they had to do that 6 months is a long time 6 months ago when they when they announced the Apple Watch I was working at Macworld a lot has happened between yep. then and now, right? That's how long it's been since um, since they introduced the Apple Watch to the world. People forget. So they had to do it. But I'm glad they did a lot more than that. Uh, that gives us a lot more to talk about rather than just rehashing the the aluminum <laughs> videos and from Johnny Ive and, and the like. 
If you'd like to find the show notes for this week's episode, then you should uh, head on over to relay.fm slash upgrade slash 26, or you can find them in your podcast app of choice. If you would like to find us online, you can find Mr. Jason Snell. He is, you, I'm going to call you the editor-in-chief of uh, sixcolors.com. That's what it says on my business card. Does it? It does. Awesome. Well, I mean, you do have people there. You know, it's not just you. It's not just yeah. you. It's not just me. No, you're not, you're not like these other Apple bloggers. You know, you have a you have a team, Six Colors yeah. Incorporated. Yeah, well, me and Federico both. We got we got people. You got the people. Got the people to do the work. Yeah. When you're off gallivanting around the exactly in in San Francisco, um, you can find Jason on Twitter. He's at Jasonell, J S N E L, and I am at I Mike I M Y K E. And if you have enjoyed this episode, I urge you to go and check out other episodes of this show. You can find them at relay.fm/upgrade, and also go to relay.fm and find out about the other shows that we have on this fine network. Um, I want to thank you all for listening. Thanks to everyone who submitted their questions. As always, thank you to Federico for joining us. Thank yes. you to Casper Mail and Flywheel for sponsoring this week's episode and we'll be back next time until then Arrivederci (laughs) yes (laughs) adios bye bye